Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. you. I want to speak to you today from this subject, the godly man, the godly man. I'll go ahead and let you know that I and Brother Williams both understand that there's more scriptures in the Bible than 1 Timothy chapter 6. I was there Wednesday night. He was there a moment ago, and I'm going back there again today. But um, I want to direct our thoughts and our attention to the fathers and I try to say this every year at Father's Day and certainly at Mother's Day that that whether you're a biological father or not we're talking to you because you may not be a biological father but you are a guardian perhaps or an influencer and uh, you wield more influence than you may assume and so I'm going to ask all the men in the house today to lend me your ear, and I want the ladies to do it as well, because I need you to help me rally the fire that I want to cultivate. Amen. Help me cultivate, perhaps, and, and tend to the flame that I want to ignite in the heart of our men today. In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11, I'm going to read verses 11 and 12. Timothy says, I mean, Paul says this to Timothy, who was his son in the gospel. He said, but thou, O man of God, I like that. Amen. Timothy was a young man. Paul was his mentor in the gospel. Amen. And I'm thankful that an elder looked at a young man and said, O man of God, because he saw something in him. He recognized something in him. He underlined it. He said, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I want to talk about the godly man. You see, we live in an hour and a culture where it is completely okay to be an ungodly man. There was a time, and, and there was a time in, in the history not so far past, that society at large held men to a higher standard than it holds them today. Amen. I'm very, very sincere. Our world around us held men, fathers, to a much higher standard. Today we wink at a lot of things that just a few decades ago would have been frowned upon and people would have been very, very ashamed to allow that to play out in the sunlight of, of, of the open world in which we live. And so I just want to reach today and tell you that despite what the world may say is okay, 
I want to reach for some men and I want to ask you today to reach with me back into the blessed pages of this holy book and say, God, it doesn't matter what the atmosphere outside may be and it doesn't matter really to me what people may say is okay and acceptable today, but help me to be a godly man in this very hour. Several months ago, a, a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine mentioned mentioned a little book that he found online. Um, I, I think it's maybe just about 12 chapters or something, but as he began to talk about um, this book it, and some of the things he mentioned in that piqued my curiosity and, and uh, I went online myself, found the book and bought it and uh, read several chapters of that or a few chapters of that uh, a few days following that. And uh, there were some things there that just... I don't really remember the date, but a few Wednesday nights ago, maybe a couple of months ago, uh, I just went into some of those thoughts and may may overlap some of them a little bit today. But um, the book itself was written in, in the year 1666, and it's entitled The Godly Man's Portrait by Thomas Watson. In a way, um, it's a template of sorts, um, to help men see what God really longs for us to be. And so we look at this, and, and uh, I, I want to be real careful here to let you know I'm referring to a book and an author, but I want to be real careful to let you know that, that the author of this book is not just giving his ideas, but he is biblically basing this template from the Word of, of God and so uh, I want to, he mentions, I, I think, a little more than 20 different things. And, and uh, you'll be relieved to know that I'm not going to preach about all 20-something of those points. And I just want to mention just a few of the things that he points out scripturally. That every godly man should strive to be. This is what we ought to be reaching for every day. If you can never shoot a deer, if you can never shoot a turkey, if you never have that famous mount over your fireplace if you can't hit a golf ball from here to the back door if you can't catch a baseball if you can't do a lot of things in life if we can strive to do this we will still win at the end of the day he talked about that we would we should strive to be a, a man of knowledge a man that would be moved by faith a man like God a man who loves the word to be a man of humility, to be a man of prayer, to be a man of sincerity, to be a man that's patient, to be a man that's thankful, and to be a man who walks with God. And the list goes on. Instead of being, being men that is caught in this culture of trying to achieve the American dream and instead of chasing things that, as I mentioned a moment ago, that in the end, moth and rust, the scripture talks about, is just going to take it all away. I'll promise you, if you really want to find out what's important, and I don't mean to sound uh, crass today, but if you want to find out really what's important, step to the deathbed of a man or a woman. You may find their list to be somewhat different than ours. Because when you get to the end of this life, when you get to the end of this world, and, and, uh, and I don't know what to, if I should say thankfully, but I, I do say that, not in a morbid way, but thankfully, 
I have been privileged because of the call upon my life to be at the bedside of many people who were making the last few miles of their journey. And I'll promise you that our conversations at that moment were much, much different than conversations we had had years prior to that. It's because when you're standing and you just see the, the, narrow, the narrowing of that journey and the narrowing of that hall and you understand, the, uh, you understand that you're about to step on heaven's bright shore. Amen. When you understand that, we realize that the American dream may not be, the proverbial American dream may not be a dream at all. And, and the things that we're reaching for and striving for may not be that important at all. I think we should be reaching for something that has an eternal end, something that has an eternal consequence. I mentioned many, many times through the years that, that on a daily basis, I try to be consistent in the sense of, of touching, doing three things. I try to touch God, and somewhere along the way, I try to touch mankind, whether that's with uh, some kind of help, counsel, or just being a smiling face in a business, to touch God, to touch man, and then to touch something that will outlive me. Amen. Not legacy for legacy's sake, but to touch something that will outlive me. And can I tell you, men, that that's a great goal to wake up with every day. I want to touch God, and I want to touch mankind, and I want to touch something that's going to outlive me. To be sure, these biblical measurements, I, I will tell you, are, will require work on our part. Things are not mystically going to fall in our lap. There's not going to be something that's just sprayed on us and it will all be taken care of. We're going to have to be intentional. But I can tell you that it's worth the effort. Yes, it is. It's worth the effort. The text that I read to you today was from Paul to Timothy and, and I said his son in the gospel and, and uh, these passages of scripture have not just a word of help and not just a word of guidance for those who may feel a call to ministry and so I, I don't want to just today talk to preachers. I don't want to just today talk to those who are considering yourself of some level of, of ministry, pulpit ministry, but I'm going to tell you that Paul was reaching far beyond that because every man in this house is an influencer. If you have no influence anywhere else but under your own roof, sir, you are an influencer and your daughter is watching you and your son is watching you. Amen. And we need to be very, very careful how we walk and where we step and, and where we go and how we talk and how we think because they are going to grow up to emulate us and that is alone a very very frightening a very arresting thought amen and so as men we have to understand that we are preaching I'll use that term a little bit loose today but every father is preaching and we are probably preaching louder with our lives than we would ever hope to preach with our lips preaching we're preaching because of that truth, we should strive to walk the narrow path because I want to have a positive influence upon those that are following in my steps. It's interesting that Paul mentions that, that a man is, is, uh, is measured by, uh, he used a unique tool, he used a unique illustration, at least in my opinion, because Paul is saying to Timothy, I'm going, to, I'm going to weigh you. I'm going to grade you. I'm going to judge you, if you please, by the things that you flee away from. 
not the things that you necessarily reach for. Watch the progression of how Paul addresses this young man. I will tell you today that we should never doubt for a moment that there are not some things that we shouldn't turn away from. I'm just going to use the, the biblical term that we ought to flee from, that we ought to run away from. Now, I realize at first glance, and especially to men, if we talk about fleeing or we talk about running away from something, it has the overtone of being a coward. I remember when I was a young, very young boy, um, that was a group of us boys went off on our bicycles and we were riding around in our neighborhood and there was, as in every neighborhood, there was the neighborhood bully. And we were all down by a creek and this neighborhood bully, he just singled me out. And uh, man, he was just picking on me and shamed me. And man, I was crying and I got on my bicycle and I went back home and I was still crying when I got home. And my middle brother happened to be home. I didn't know he was home. When I, uh, my middle brother, uh, who was kind of pretty tough around the edges and always has been, he wanted to know why I was crying. And when I told him why I was crying, he just kind of picked me up and he said, you're going to go back down there and you're going to face this boy down. And if you don't, you got me to face when you get home. And I was more afraid of my middle brother at that moment than I was the devil. I got back on my bicycle. I pedaled back down to the creek and I'm not confrontational by nature. I was born that way. But I'm going to tell you that I was ready to handle business. Amen. I, I, I realize you're struggling to picture that, and I, I'm trying not to, I'm honestly trying not to let that hurt my feelings right now, but I would, I would rather see some nods out there going, I could see that. Well, I, could just, I, I could see that you wouldn't want to mess with that fellow right there holding the microphone, and, and instead some of you are reaching way outside of the box to try to envision that. I'm calling my brother. I went back down and I took care of business because it's not in the nature of the male species to run. And so it seems cowardice, and I guess in some cases it is. As a matter of fact, Nehemiah, in Nehemiah 6 and 11, when Nehemiah was coming under, under some real heavy fire about trying to rebuild the wall and reset the gate in Jerusalem, Nehemiah asked this question. He said, should a man, should... Should such a man as I flee? <laughs> I mean, Nehemiah was ready to take off his gloves. And he said, and you know, the Lord was trying to admonish him, you're working on something bigger here. You're working on something greater. But the man in Nehemiah, that, 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 that man inside of this, a man of God said, should a man as I, such as I, should a man like me flee? Should I run away? Amen. During that season of heavy, heavy opposition, it just didn't seem like the right thing to do. But I'm going to tell you that there are many biblical illustrations. Are you still with me, men? There are many biblical illustrations where, where we see men were wise enough to walk away. Where men were wise enough. Amen. I'm going to keep, continue to use the word. Men were wise enough to flee. They were wise enough to run. They were wise enough to turn. 
Amen. There's a time when fleeing is a mark of wisdom and consequently it becomes a mark of victory. I will tell you that in Genesis 39 and 12, when Potiphar's wife reached out to grab him, it was in order, friend. Brother Everett, it was, oh, it was time. If there was ever a time to turn and run, it was a day to turn and run. And he ran, and he ran out of his coat. Amen, and what he left behind was enough to imprison him. But I'm gonna tell you that he still did the right thing because he said, my master has put me in charge of everything. I've got, I can do whatever I wanna do, but, but you're not, there. That, that's not, it doesn't belong to you. You don't fall in that category. There was a time in 1 Samuel 9 when Samuel was trying to kill David and he was thrusting his sword or his dagger at him and the Bible talks about David fleeing from the presence of Saul. So I will tell you men, amen, that there are times, there are times that the right thing to do is turn and get away. Now the word that that flee that Paul used here uh, in, in some instances is not literally turning and physically running away, although Joseph ran and although David physically ran. Amen. But what Paul was really trying to drive home in the heart of Timothy was this, that you got to separate yourself from things. There are some times you got to draw some lines. There are some days that you got to build some fences and, and you got to make sure those fences are secure and you got to make sure they're maintained. You got to separate yourself in the case of Timothy. He said, you got to separate yourself from false teachers and you need to separate yourself from negative influencers. And can I speak to the men today and tell you that we're living in a different day than we find in 1 Timothy 6, but the message is still the same, that we need to build some fences between us and false doctrine. And we need to build some fences and we need to maintain those fences that stand between us and negative influences. Amen. It echoes the admonition that Paul made to Timothy in verse number Five, when he said from such withdraw thyself put a little distance between you and yourself I'm going to tell you if somebody's always talking negative and being negative and if somebody's always talking vulgar and being vulgar if somebody's always got a slanted or a dirty joke to talk about you need to build a fence there amen you need to put some distance there why because I'm striving to be the godly man that God has called me to be I'm striving to be a godly husband I'm striving to be a godly father. I want my wife to know that when I walk out the door that she don't have one thing to worry about in her absence. She doesn't have one thing to worry about and when the day is done, I'm going to come walking back in that door. My children need to know that when daddy walks away from the house this morning that he's going to be faithful to my mother. He's going to be faithful to me as a child and you know what? At the end of the day, he's coming home. Amen. He's going to be there and he's going to be the guardian of my house. My dad is going to pray a prayer of faith over me. My dad is going to hold me up in prayer. He's going to build and lay a covering of prayer over me. That's how much faith I've got in my dad. Amen. Something worth remembering is this, that, that not all unity is good and not all division is bad. Amen. Some things we don't need to be joined to. Some things it would do us well to be separated from. Not all unity is good and not all division is bad. 
A godly man should take a stand against false doctrine. A godly man should take a stand against ungodly practices. A godly man should separate himself from such things. There are some things in life that we just have to understand. It's corrosive to the soul. It may not eat away and eat it all in one day. It may not eat it all in one glance. It may not eat it all with just one touch. Amen, but it's just corrosive to the soul. It just eats away a little bit here and a little bit there, a little bit here and a little bit there. And so I gotta make sure that I build a fence. I gotta make sure that I put enough distance there that I can maintain that. So Paul teaches Timothy that certain characteristics of a godly man can be things, knowing what things to flee from. In in some other places, Paul was very specific about those things. He didn't just categorize them as things. He didn't put them out there in a general sense, leaving us to fill in the blank. Amen. Paul was was teaching and and he was being specific in in Corinthians 6 when he said flee fornication. He was being specific in Corinthians 10 when he said flee from idolatry. He was being specific in 1 Corinthians 6, 11 when he talked about fleeing away from a covetousness spirit and fleeing away from the love of money. In 2 Timothy 2 and 22, he was being specific when he said flee youthful lust. Amen. There is still some good advice I think found in all of these passages for our generation today that we need to run, run with everything that you can in a world that's lost its moral compass. Can I say it another way? In a world that's lost its moral compass and doesn't seem to be trying to find that, that has been lost. Amen. We need some godly men to say, you know what? As for me and my house, as for me and my heart, amen, as for me and mine, I'm gonna make a commitment to God. I'm not in trying to impress the preacher. I'm not in trying to impress the neighbor. I'm not trying to impress somebody else in the church. It's just me and God. I'm gonna do the right thing because I wanna be a godly Man, I want to be a godly man. We live in a very sensual world. Yes, we do. We live in a very idolatrous world. We live in a money making, a, a lust for money making world. Amen. We live in a very lustful society. We really do. Every device that the devil can use, he will do whatever he can to undermine your walk with God. Therefore, we have to flee. We ought to be caught running sometimes, men. Amen. We ought to be caught running sometimes. Paul then focuses his attention to the second half of this important question because, you see, life is not just about fleeing. In the process of of separating yourself from some things, we have to understand that that we've got to be diligent, intentional to make sure that we walk away from some things but that we walk toward other things. And I, I think that sometimes when, when people fail to have an understanding of a message of, of the message of separation that the Bible talks about, his people would be different. I think what gets people off balance is when they only count what they're walking away from. And they never measure what they should be walking toward. Amen. And so we should walk away from some things and walk toward other things. Because if you only separate, if you only walk away 
and never walk toward, that's called isolation. And when you're in isolation, that's a very dangerous place to get some weird ideas. Amen. We need people around us. I don't want to be in isolation. One writer said it best when he penned these words. He said, we must cultivate these graces of the Spirit in our lives or else we will be known only for what we oppose rather than what we being known for what we propose. Amen. And some people major on what you oppose and never mention what you propose. And so I say, Lord, help us to not just walk away from things. Is this all right? Amen. Fathers, is this all right? Men, is this all right? Amen. It's, it's, it's all right to walk away from some things, but we need to be walking toward, let go of some things, but embrace some things over here. Amen. Because I don't want to just be known for what I, I oppose. Amen. I want to, I want somebody to recognize me for the things that I embrace, not just what I let go of, but the things that I embrace. Righteousness means uh, personal integrity and, and godliness that he mentions means practical devotion. And so the, the, the first has to do with character, uh, righteousness, that personal integrity, that has to do with our character. But the second, godliness, that practical devotion, day by day by day by day, that has to do with our conduct. And so it's not just about our character, but it's about our conduct day in and day out. Because at the end of life's journey, a man is never going to be measured by how many hours he spent on the job. He's never going to be measured by how much money he made. I mean, he's never going to really be measured by all the things that he possessed because when you get at that point, friend, I, I, again, I'm trying to be real, real careful and I promise you that I am. Amen. But I've stood behind this very desk and, I, and, and there's been a lot of bodies stretched out right here in front of me and I'm going to tell you some of the things that, that we think about and focus on. It don't matter right then. It there's only one thing that matters and that's eternity there's only one thing that matters and am I right with God amen did I leave this world right with God that's what matters and so I'm reaching for some men today godly men amen it won't matter how many hours of overtime if we're not right with God it won't matter how many bank accounts you have if we're not a godly man it won't matter how many deeds possess our name if we're not godly men if we're not godly men the real value of a man's life is, 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 is what he had, is whether or not he had the strength, was what he had the strength to flee away from. The real measure is, is how much strength did it take and how much strength did we exercise to walk away when it was time to walk away. Because you see, we soon will discover that in fleeing, there are some virtues of God that start pouring into our life. When you walk away from a few things, and you start embracing some other things, we'll discover some things like godliness that starts taking up residence in our heart. Amen. I talked about it Wednesday night, but I'm going to tell you that when you flee from certain things, you're going to find that, that when you walk away from greed, that a spirit of contentment will start growing in your heart. Amen. When you walk away from a spirit of pride, when you walk away from a spirit of hatefulness, when you walk away from a spirit of quick-temperedness, 
Amen. When you walk away, when you set those things down, you know what? Amen. If you'll walk toward God, a spirit of humility, it'll start growing in its place. Amen. And where you used to be so opinionated and loud mouth, amen, there'll be something growing there that'll be a real treasure for your children and your grandchildren and your wife will thank you. Amen. And she may even publicly thank God, but I promise you she'll privately thank God every day. Amen. That I'm not married to the same man that I used to be married to. My children have a different daddy today because he gave himself to the power of God and what used to be there, that short temper, that quick fuse, that loud mouth, amen, that anger that was so ready to come to the surface, the spirit of the Lord, amen, he let go of that. He walked away from it and he turned toward God and God put something in his life, amen. He's, hallelujah, he's not the same man the children used to dread see come through the door but they cherish when he comes home, Amen. The wife used to dread when she heard his car or truck pull into the driveway, but not now. Amen. I got a new husband. I got a godly man that's going to walk in the place of that. A godly man. A godly man. Praise God. Praise God. There's a host of things that are born in our life. And so we ought to make the goal of our life to obtain, to reach for the things that Paul mentions. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, Meekness, another word for that is gentleness, to know how to be gentle. You can't make kitchen cabinets with a chainsaw, gentlemen. Sometimes you need something gentle. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something that I know from experience. And I'm not excusing anything here in the life of a mother or our ladies. But their raised voice is not nearly as damaging as your raised voice. Amen. I'll just leave that alone right there. But it's the truth. It's the truth. So be very, very careful. Because you're wielding a lot of influence. If they're holding a butter knife, you're holding a machete. And you've got to handle it differently. Because those words are going to echo. They're going to echo. Those actions are going to echo. They're going to echo. I have no earthly idea how many times my mother whipped me. Not nearly enough. I understand. But I have no clue. And I don't want to make her shine her in a bad light in her absence. But I know exactly how many times my daddy whipped me. And if you'll ride with me this afternoon, I can take you to the house. And I can show you where. Because she was wielding a butter knife, but he was wielding a machete. So to speak. <laughs> so to speak. So we gotta make sure we gotta make sure that we're careful, that we're gentle. A man of, of true faith will find himself pursuing those everlasting possessions of the soul. A man who is following after these kinds of things will find an incredible spiritual focus that starts happening in our lives because we've let go of some things. We walked away. You see, 
when Joseph was running from Potiphar's wife, what he couldn't not understand was he was really running to the throne of Egypt. I know it looked for a long time, it looked like he ran down into the pit. But that's the short term because he was really running to the throne. And so I can tell you, gentlemen, in the short term, when you turn around and walk away and you flee and you close your ears and you close your eyes and you walk away, you may think you're walking down, but in the long reign, you're walking up. You're walking up because you're giving God room to plant something. Fight the good fight of faith, he said. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Paul, Paul is informing us that every step of the way, there will be a fight to contend with every step. There are adversaries that we fight along the way and thankfully, pardon my illustration, but thankfully I, I've been very, very thankful that God in his grace kind of keeps his hands over our eyes and he just... Let's just see one day at a time because otherwise we'd be scared out of our wits. If we thought in advance that we would have to fight some of the things that we've gone through already, we would not have had the courage to get up and face the day. But here's the thing. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Amen. First Timothy 1 and 18 says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, that thou mightest war a good warfare. Zechariah 10 and 5 said, And they shall be as mighty men which tread down their enemies in the street. He said, Fight, Zechariah. Said, Fight, because the Lord is with you. I'm talking to godly men today. I want to ask our fathers, and I want to ask the men of this church, don't check out in the fight. Don't be passive. Don't run away. Our generation needs fighting men more than they've ever needed them before. Stay at your battle stations. Do the right thing. Can I tell you today, dads, stay engaged in the battle. Stay engaged. We need to stay engaged in our relationships at home and stay engaged in our relationship at the church. And, and, and George Barna, which is a, a, a research group for uh, the, the world of Christianity, and that is painted with the broadest brush possible. But George Barna has identified some troubling statistics for the church at large, the church at large in America. And I will tell you, these are old stats. They're really outdated, but this is as close as I could find. That in today's church in America, in today's church, all flavors, all everything in one swept in one pile, but this is nevertheless the, the statistics that women are twice as likely to be involved in discipleship in the church than men. Women are 57% more likely to attend Sunday school than men. Women are 56% more likely to hold a leadership position than men. And they are 54% more likely to participate in some sort of small group, some sort of outreach ministry. Amen, and I want to tell you that I would pray, and I prayed today, I prayed yesterday, this prayer, Lord, don't let these statistics ever fit Hatchby and Apostolic Church. I'm going to push back against that. I'm going to push back against that. And while I'm on that note, I want to say thank God for a church full of worshiping men and praying men. Amen, ladies. 
Amen. Ladies, thank you for carrying us so many miles, but I'm so glad that we got some men that woke up and said, you know what? Amen. It needs to be my male baritone voice that's heard praying. Amen. Our young men, they need to see me. Amen. Our young children, our young ladies, they need to see some men engaged in prayer, men engaged in worship. Hallelujah. I'm not excluding you, ladies. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, I'm, I am godly proud. I hope it's all right to say that. But I'm godly proud that our worship service and amen during our worship service we've got men stepping out of their pew men that are in the aisle amen you know why because I believe we got some men that are saying Lord help me to be a godly man help me to be a godly husband help me to be a godly father praise God but can I just throw this in for good measure amen don't be here what you're not at home amen don't be here what you're not at home And so may every man in this church be engaged in this great spiritual battle. Amen. And may every man in this church be engaged in some kind of ministry. I believe a godly man is measured by what he fights for, what he stands for, what he speaks out against. We cannot become disconnected and isolated from the house of God. We have got to take the fight where the fight belongs. Amen. There are some things we ought to be willing to fight for for our generation. We're wanting to fight to keep prayer in school. I'm fighting to keep it in church. Amen. I'm willing to I'm willing to keep fighting to keep prayer in the church. I'm willing to fight to keep worship in the church. I'm willing to fight to keep prayer in our home. I'm, I'm willing to fight to keep prayer and worship in our in our own house. I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to fight, Amen, for a personal identity as a man of God. I'm willing to fight for personal holiness. Come on, men, Amen. I'm willing to fight for my family, Amen. I'm not just talking about a natural intruder, but I'm talking about the spirit of worldliness that's standing at your front door right now. Amen. And if you think I'm wrong, then you're wrong. If you think that I've lost my mind, you're losing your mind because there's a spirit of worldliness that's knocking at your children's heart's door, your heart door, your wife's heart's door. Amen. It's standing at your home. We ought to stand in our doorway and say, no, not, not here, devil. No, 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 no. It's not going to be welcome to talk here. It's not going to be welcome to flow here. Amen. I'm going to tell you, men, as bizarre as your neighbors may think you are, it if you had to get out and literally stand and you block your door and say not today devil that would be better than just assuming that everything is well I'm going to say God help us to build some embankments God help us to build some levees when the water and the tides begin to come in help me to have a levee around my home and my family and my heart and my mind praise God I want to fight for my family. Amen. We need to fight, be willing to fight through the pain of living in a fallen world because we certainly live in one. We need to fight for some godly friends. (laughs) Oh, fight for some godly friends. I want to just testify. I don't want to be misunderstood. But Sister Boyd and I have 
great friends and that of James and Donna Wolf and in Tampa and Brother Wolf has had some very serious health issues in the last few years really, but most specifically the last several months. They have asked us on many occasions to come and visit with them and and we are caught up in life just like you. But this past Friday night we made some time and we went to spend with them in their home and spent the night and and spent yesterday morning with them and And we just couldn't help but talk about it yesterday coming home. It was so refreshing to have godly friends. Godly friends. Amen. He just talked about the work of God and the kingdom of God. Oh, it was just so refreshing. Yes, he knows how high gas is. And yes, he knows the state of our political climate. But he just talked about the good things of God. Amen. We were getting ready to leave. And I said, why don't we just have prayer? We're, we're just standing in their kitchen. Why don't we have in their dining room? I said, Lord, why don't, why don't we just have prayer? He said, oh, that'd be a great idea. And we stood, the four of us. And we were 30 seconds into that prayer when my sweet friend just began to speak in a heavenly language. <laughs> and the Holy Ghost that I feel in this sanctuary today filled their home and we were standing there we weren't tearing down people weren't tearing down this problem and that problem and ripping to shreds this and ripping to shred that and I said oh thank you God I'm going to fight for some godly friends I'm going to fight to keep those people in my life I'm going to fight with everything that I have and We walked away from there. As we drove away, they were standing in the door. They were waving goodbye. Amen. I'm not trying to just sound so much like a a Hallmark card, but I'm going to just tell you today, it's wonderful to have godly friends. It's worth fighting for. It's worth cultivating that. I want to fight for strong faith. We need to surround our people that are surround ourselves with people that are not willing, that are not unwilling, rather, that when our faith is weak, to say, Come on now, tighten up. You know better. Amen. We need friends in our life. If we're not in church on Wednesday and they call us on Thursday, we've got some little old flim flam excuse. We need friends that say, Now you know better than that. Amen. We need friends that are close enough in our life when they sit up, see us not engaged in the ministries of the church and praise and worship and not engaged in prayer. We need somebody that can come along beside us. I'm talking about our friends, not somebody that's trying to be ever a busybody because Paul talks against that. But I'm talking about friends who have the key to our heart to say, hey, if something's wrong, we need to work this out. If something's wrong, we need to pray through this. I'm, I'm preaching and I'm reaching for some godly men. Lifting holy hands without wrath, without anger, without doubt and cynicism. Holy hands. And come on, men, let's just be honest. In the world that we live in, it can be very easy to be angry. And it can be very easy to be cynical. So we've got to reach to be a godly man. But I want to tell you that it's a battle worth winning. It is a battle worth winning. 
I'm thankful for the men of this church. I do not say that lightly. And I do not just say that to you. I thank God privately in my own prayer for you. I thank God for I thank God for your walk with him and your love for him. I thank God that you're devoted to him. But I want to see us draw me, drawing closer. Let the mantra, let our heartbeat song be draw me nearer. Draw me nearer, precious Lord. Why? Because we are engaged in a spiritual battle. And if you move, you're going to shake the foundation of those behind you. So stand, having done all to stand. Stand. I'm going to ask you to do that literally. Can we just stand? Amen. I'm going to ask the ladies in this house. Not, I'm not asking you to step across the way or to go pray for somebody. But I want you to join us in prayer. And I want to pray for the men in this house. I want to pray. You may not be a father today, but you could be tomorrow. Amen. To our young men, you will be a father one day. You will be an influencer one day. And so let's pray. Amen. Can we blend our voices together? Lord, I'm asking you today to touch our men. Let the power of the Holy This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.